whether you like me or not, I'm, I'm part of their history. Tell me one thing that I said there that was wrong. If you'd been able to get that confession, that would have been huge. That could have been on headlines everywhere. Well, I'm not angry all the time, some of the time. Welcome to episode 20 of Digging in with JP and Sevia. It's a big milestone episode. It is also, sadly, the final episode of season one. But we have a very exciting guest today. Our first returning guest, and it's not because we're not creative. It's not because there aren't many other people that could come on the show. It's because it's the perfect guest for the moment. It's the one and only manager of former manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. John Gibbons. Hey, you got to save the best for last. And, and uh, I mean, why not go out at the end of the season? Uh, I think we're kind of going out together. Uh, but just for the season, us, him, we'll see what happens. But John Gibbons, one of my favorite human beings, one of the better, you know, guys that I've been around in this game. So it's a, it's a bittersweet but I'm thankful that he was able to come on because I imagine for him emotionally there's a lot of things going on and a lot of things going through his head. And that just shows kind of the, the guy he is that he can still come on, talk to us, and uh, give him give us that, that last little hoorah. Yeah, he's been very, you know, he hasn't been closed off in the wake of this. He's been very accepting of what's happened. And, uh, you know, he's always a treat to talk to. And I think, I guess he might have the first title of friend of the show, official friend of the show, John Gibbons, is willing to come on twice. I think Luke Maley's probably in there, in the friend yeah, of the show bracket. Yeah, yeah, Luke Maley for sure is a friend of the show. But I I would say Gibby, Gibby is our, I mean, he's our repeat offender. Yeah, and we, you know, we sat down, we did in his office the first time months ago, seems like ages ago now, um, you know, back when the Blue Jays season had a little bit more life. But, you know, it's good to talk to him again. So, today we are wrapping up a 2018 Toronto Blue Jays season. There's no two ways about it. This has been a very difficult year in Blue Jays land. So, we're going to call on JP's powers as an optimist to tell us. Well, we'll get your what you take from the season in a positive sense first. We'll get the negative after. But, JP, for all those fans who not only are you not going to have any more baseball to watch, Blue Jays baseball, lots of great baseball, and we'll talk about that later. No more Blue Jays baseball to watch, and what they did just watch was not fantastic. What do you say to them? Well, I mean, I say that you, you have a point. It wasn't the best year, but it also was an encouraging finish. Uh, obviously, I think I think it was a, a roller coaster of emotions. Everyone starts excited halfway point you still have a little bit of ambition and you you're like man I think that we can still get on a run and then the wheels fall off and you have to rebuild and you start bringing up the young guys and you start seeing what they have for the future and that's where the roller coaster went back up for me I think that's something that that we were able to see I think there was a lot of positives that was able to happen, not only because the Jays were out so early, um, but because of how they played. I think because the Jays were out of it so early, they were able to get guys not just two weeks of at-bats. And I think that's a huge thing. I, I mean, I, you see guys uh, behind the dish. Jansen had 31 games, pretty good uh, sample size. Uh, Rowdy had 23. 
Uh, Urania had 40. Reese had a 14. He wasn't as much. You got to see, you know, Guriel had 65. You got to see a lot of these young guys. McKinney, 36. So we got to see more than just a two weeks basis because some teams that were trying to fight for it and were not out of it, but then ended up out of it, they didn't have that luxury. So I think if you look at the positives, the Blue Jays had the luxury of being able to throw guys out there and really see what we had for the future. And when you talk about those players, for me, the position players were particularly interesting because going in, the only position player prospects you're hearing about all the time was Bo and Vladdy. And of course, we didn't see those two players. They both progressed well in the minor leagues and had good years, which is important. But the other guys, a little bit more unheralded, you know, we know about Danny Jansen, but Danny Jansen was as good as you could have expected, if not better. Billy McKinney was a guy I wasn't super optimistic about when they traded for him from the Yankees. He performed better than expectations. There's no one who really came up. Rowdy Telez, obviously, his bizarre double streak that was pretty cool to watch. No one came up and really fell flat, and that applies to the pitchers as well. I thought Sean Reed Foley was great, even though he's inconsistent at times. Uh, Baraki obviously hummed along, even had a couple struggles, but really pulled it back together at the end. And even Pannone, who... You know, his future bullpen starting isn't 100% clear, but he showed us probably more than we thought he would. So pretty much everybody who came up at least met expectations. I don't think there are really any disappointing rookies out there for the Blue Jays this year. No, and not only are there not any disappointing rookies, I think, well, first off, I want to give some love to John Birdie because the dude has been a grinder. And he got this. He got the call up, and I think that there was some pretty cool things in baseball when things happen like that of minor league guys that that have just been grinding. And he got the opportunity to go and get some at bats. He got 15 at bats in the big leagues, so I want to give him a a, a shout out because he's a guy who I've played with and been around, and uh, he is the guy that you really really love being around. So that was pretty special. Now onto other things which I think are special, not just the rookies. Randall Grichuk, do you remember how he started? It was tough. It was not it a was, good start. It was a bad start. Grichuk ended with a career-high 25 homers, 32 doubles, okay? And that was in 124 games. This guy, I think, is going to be one of those players that continues to get better and better. I mean, he ended around uh, 245 OPS over 800 Good defense. I mean, I think he made one error all season. So not a rookie, but a guy who set career highs and seems to be comfortable and has found a home in Toronto. I think it's only going to get better for him. You look at my boy, uh, Mr. Teoscar Hernandez. Only 134 games, which is quite a bit, but he's a guy that I see playing more games. Defense, whatever, shaky. At times, going to get better. 29 doubles, 7 triples, 22 bombs, 771 OPS. Those two guys for me fire me up because that's something that I go, okay, we got something We got something cooking in the outfield. Now, Aledmus Diaz, okay, not a rookie. 26 doubles, 18, 206, two, hit 263, and was a 756 OPS guy. Stuff like that fires me up. Billy McKinney, 790 OPS. I, I mean, Kendris Morales, he was a guy who they kind of 
at the end, he obviously didn't get the play ton. Still ended up with over 21 homers. Uh, I think that this team has an opportunity to be really good really quick. And I think that's what I saw not only from the young guys coming up, I also see from the guys who have been around. I think Luke Maley had a career year. He's my boy, and I would tell him one way or another. I think he solidified himself. Now, that's going to be a question that they're going to have to answer in this offseason. I think one of those young guys is obviously going to go down. I think Luke Maley is your is your protected back up and getting some more games in there. I think that he's a guy who proved himself to be a winner. Um, that made me really excited. Now, if we go to the pitching side, uh, obviously Barucki. I mean, the dude is, he's a dude that's, that's already shown the guys is a, an absolute starting pitcher in the major leagues. So he had an opportunity and he did very, very well. I think, one guy that we really don't talk a ton about is Tim Meza. He had he was able to start getting better and better in the bullpen. He had a very so strong end to the season, which is Yeah, so so those like those are guys, so that's stuff for me that goes, okay, Ken Giles lights out in Toronto. I don't care what happened with him in Houston. Lights out. You have a closer right there. Done deal. He's the guy's a closer. You got uh Mr. Panone. He had some good starts. Shows you ability that he can start. He can be a bullpen guy. Listen, Marcus Stroman is going to go back in the offseason. This dude is a freaking tireless worker. He's going to be back and healthy, and he's going to be on a mission. And Marcus Stroman on a mission is a dangerous guy. Same thing for Sanchez. Both of those guys are going to be uh, knocking on the door. Okay, I think Fernandez looked really good out of the pen. Another left-hander out of the pen. That gives you some innings. Tapera, I think Tapera... He showed that he can be a closer. I think he was, he was a phenomenal setup guy. So there's pieces to this team that are there already of guys that have done it, and then there's going to be the little glue of the young guys that are going to come together. Obviously, uh, I can't leave out Sean Reed Foley. I mean, he kept on getting stronger. So the future looks bright. And again, that's all without saying our boy Vladdy, Who's gonna come? Listen, the dude's gonna be up in the big leagues next year, and he's gonna make a splash, and he's gonna be freaking lights out. I mean, let's be honest; he's a one of one prospect. The guy's got it in his blood. It's it's just genetics and and a super freak. There's one of those. Every organization has one of them. He's a super freak, so he's gonna come up and make a difference. I like the way the Blue Jays are stacking up. These guys are developing well in the minor leagues. They're gonna do something in the off season. Again, I know this is a long-winded thing, but... I was going to say, I asked I you see- for the positives, and then you listed about just about the entire roster, which I'm, I'm not saying anything you said was not necessarily the, unfair, the, but I'm just saying. Tell me tell me one person there. Tell me one thing that I said there that was wrong. I mean, if you look at it, tell me one positive that I said there that you could, you could flip a different the way. The one that I would flip the other way is that coming into this season, I felt like Sanchez and Stroman were this rotational building block and they may still be but I think that question marks have arisen around them that did not exist prior to this year and it makes the rotation going forward a little bit uh more variable and the outcome questionable yeah I could still go back the other way they still could they're both incredibly talented we've seen it from both before but this year added a couple question marks to each of them for me that made me think Maybe okay. they weren't guys I know for sure are going to lead this rotation into the future. Okay, so then 
let's say Mr. Uh, negative, what's the, what negative Nelly? Okay, um, you're good. I believe is, it's you, Nancy, you, but yeah, go ahead. Well, negative Nelly, we'll go that way. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that that was negative. I think you were speaking the truth there, but okay, take that out of my, out of my, whatever summary, my synopsis. You you have position players. You have a surplus amount of position players and good ones. Not you, you're gonna have a trouble. You're gonna have something to do with with shortstop. We have Tulowitzki who's still gonna be back. We can't forget Tulowitzki, right? So this offseason, I go, damn, the Blue Jays are in a, are in a pretty good spot to make some deals. The Blue Jays are in a pretty good spot to to win some games and have really really good talent on a baseball field on defense and offense. They got some good arms in the pen with Meza and Tapera and Giles and and uh, you know these guys at Fernandez who did well. Paulino he didn't he's he's finally healthy. Now what do you go after? Well, let's start dangling some guys. There's some starting pitching. At, we know at the end of the day, starting pitching is what wins in the major leagues, especially the AL East. I think. That's really the only conversation, right? Because again, go around the field. Where are you going to add? You can't add. I, I mean, I don't think you can add. I obviously, well, hindsight, yeah, you could always add. But go around the field. Do you do you change? Do you do you upgrade any anywhere, or do you upgrade on the pitching mound? Well, I think you're, the infield's going to be interesting. Justin Smoke is is there. Telez is there in theory. So first base is good. Second base is a bit of an open question. Shortstop, there's a multiple candidates, but we don't know how that's going to shake out. Third base, who starts opening day at third base? Brandon Drury, maybe? Like we there's still some well, spots. Well and if and if not, Aledmus Diaz? And if not, Guriel? Guriel at second base or Aledmus Diaz at second base? Or one of the others at shortstop? Urena had a, he came up and Again, Gibby's talked about he thinks he's one of the sleeper in the prospects, like one of the guys that he thinks is going to be really good. So you got that's one thing that I love about what they did is you don't have just like one guy you're like, hey, dude, this guy's a third baseman. No, there's a lot of versatility. I'll give you that. I and that, I think that point, a lot of those guys are are guys that you can put there, but you're not sure that that's the answer. I think they still have to figure out some of these uh, the answer to some of these questions, but you're right. They do have a lot of guys that they can throw at the problem. That's for sure. You have, you have four catchers that for me, listen, infield, not an issue in my eyes. I think that you can never have too many good athletes because infielders, you can go, Hey, I'll move you to the outfield. They're the best athletes most of the time on the field. Outfield is obviously packed with a lot of good players. Okay. Now, Catching is my biggest thing is because what do you do? You're going to have you have four catchers on roster, all four good players. Russell, obviously, towards the end of his career, what is what is Russell? What do you do with Russell? Luke, I think, deserves to play in the major leagues and for the Blue Jays, who he did very, very well for. Danny Jansen, I think, showed himself as a good major league catcher. So did my boy McGuire. So... What what I mean, that's for me where you go, what are we gonna do? Because I think behind the dish, guy calling game, guy controlling the game, that is integral to winning. I think if Danny Jansen's not the opening day catcher, they've made a big mistake. I think you you have to eat a bunch of money and find a new home for Russell Martin 
Then you got Jansen starting, Maley backup, and then Maguire as your AAA insurance. I, I I hear you. Who's now? Who's taking Russell? I don't know. I mean, obviously, whenever there's a Blue Jay out there, you hear about the Braves and Alex Anthopoulos, like <laughs> veteran presence have, on a no, young they team. Have, no, they have two. They're, they're two catchers. I have like the best OPS in the National League combined. There's going to be, I mean, you know, I could take a cruise around some death charts. There's going to be somebody who would take Russell Martin at a low price tag to be kind of a 1B or 2A catcher, kind of like a backup who gets more starts or a starter who gets less. There's going to be a market for a guy like that because of both the fact that he hasn't totally fallen off, he still can play the game, and also just the knowledge he brings and the presence he brings, especially to a younger's team. I, I just don't know if he's ready to be a backup. I don't. I didn't get that sense from him if he's ready to be. And and listen, his his talent wise, dude, he's he's freaking good. Like this guy's a good player. He had a down year. Russell's another guy. I think yeah, there's a lot of miles on his body, but I still think he's got left in the tank. But from the answers of the questions I got to the end of the year was, okay, I'm okay with where we're at right now because we're not winning. I'm used to winning. So I understand what's going on, but the whole same thing was, yeah, I want to be out in the field and competing if we're winning. So come opening day, if he's not the starter, I think he's upset. Then that's why I think they probably find another home for him because it, you know, I, I get it. You, you've been doing something your whole career, and everyone believes in themselves. If they didn't believe in themselves, they wouldn't have made it to this level and be as good as they are. But at a certain point, there's a reality that needs to be faced. But Yep, no doubt. I think that uh, we've left the people wanting Gibby for too long. So at this point, I'm not going to hammer down the negatives because I've pushed back on you on them enough. We're going to open the floor for uh, beloved former Blue Jays manager, John Gibbons. All right, well, here we are with the man, Mr. John Gibbons. First off, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for just being the person you are. Uh, obviously meant a lot to me and to um, everybody that you've had a chance to be able to be around. Like uh, I've, I'm sure they would say the same thing I would say is that everybody um, would run through a wall from you, for you and, be, and, and loved playing for you. But my first question is, is, why are you, Gibby? You, you, you're special. You talk to us. You, you talk to us on the same level that we're at. You, you give us, you give us a chance to feel like uh, we mean something more than just uh, you know listening to what you have to say. We, you know, you, we feel like your family. So, why do you approach it? What, where does that come from? Well, Jay, you know, hey, first off, hey, it's, it's been a pleasure, kid. You know, uh, there's something I liked about you. From the day I met you, I can't, I don't know what the hell it was, but there was just something <laughs> about you that, that, that I, that I liked and, uh, that, that stuck to this day and, and, uh, you know, you're, you're one of those special guys yourself. So I guess, you know, I'm not sure, you know, I mean, you, uh, we are who we are. You develop personalities and, you know, function in the business that, uh, we've been involved in. Um, I don't know, you, you do things over time and, you know, it, it's hard to explain. One thing I will say, though, is, is I, you know, I had a great appreciation for the guys that play this game, knowing how difficult it uh, is and was. Um, I understand the, the struggles you, know, you go through on and off the field and the pressures you put on yourself, the pressures the media puts on. And you're under a microscope. And that's, that's never easy. The game's very difficult. 
when you're going great, when you're on top of the world, it gets that much tougher when when you start struggling. So I've always, I've, I think I've always been able to recognize that, um, sympathize with it a little bit because you know I went through some of the same things myself. But in the, you know, we're in the entertainment business. Business, it's a game. I try to enjoy every day with the guys and and um, you know be be yourself. What were you able to learn? Because, you know, I've said it on here. You were the first manager I was ever around in a big league sense because it was my first big league training, uh, spring training, and then obviously my last uh, manager in Toronto. Um, What did you learn from that, like, first go-around that you were able to kind of go, you know what, I learned from that. I'm going to be able to do something maybe a little different this go-around when you were back in Toronto. What was the biggest thing you think? Well, Jay, you know what, you know, well, you know, the, I think experience teaches you, I mean, in a, any profession, you know, I mean, the, usually the, the second go around is always easier than the first normally uh, because you, you have a, those, those first times you experience not everything, but uh, damn near everything. And, and uh, you know, managing, I mean, have, there's some similarities to play in as far as the pressures. Uh, it's totally different. You know, I mean, not near the magnitude of them, but. You know, you're you're trying you try to make all the right decisions during the game, and you you uh, you know, because in a small way, you can you can definitely uh, influence some outcomes and things like that. And, and I guess the big part of it is you got to answer for it every night. You got to got to talk about the team two or three times a day. So, so I think in the second go round, you know, I was more familiar with that. I was more confident in uh, you know running a game and, and uh, talking to the media and things like that. But it's like anything else, you know, it takes time to learn those things. I don't care how educated, talented, whatever you are, experience does wonders for everybody. Gibby, we talked about how you've dealt with players and JP's talked about his experience. And one thing you said on Wednesday I thought was really interesting was about how you felt that maybe you were a guy who could deal with a rebuilding team because of the way you could deal with young players. And I know from my experience I work with some people who are five or six years younger than me, and I'm already out of touch. So how do you deal with people who are sort of a full <laughs> generation behind? Well, you know what? Uh, you know, one thing in, in this job, baseball, we all speak a common language. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, the game of baseball is the same now as it was, you know, a hundred years ago. Now there's just so much more to it. The, it's magnified. You're under the, you know, you the media exposure, all that, and the money involved, you know, so with that comes extra pressures and things like that. But, you know, it's, we all understand what they, what they knew a hundred years ago. So, um, you know, I've, I've got kids, I mean, they, you know, they're, they're in their early twenties or close to 20. And, and uh, so, so I, I definitely know how kids think and function nowadays. And, and they're totally different, no doubt about it from when I was, when I was that age and, and uh, uh, it, it used to be, you could rule with an iron fist, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, and if you don't have, any flexibility, you're not willing to, you know, adjust some things, you know, you're, you're probably not going to survive, but, uh, you know, I, I just, I've just always tried to enjoy the guys I've uh, worked with, whether it was a, as teammates as a player or coaching or managing and, uh, try to make the game fun. And whether it's, you know, that, uh, 40 year old guy or the new 19 year old kid coming along and, and uh, like I said, we're all out there for the same reason. And, and, you know, you have to understand they all come from different, parts of the world, different economic backgrounds, different educational levels, different everything, different moral standards, whatever it might be. And you know what? Uh, you don't judge anybody and you try the best uh, you can to get along with everybody, but you still got to lay the, lay the lay the law down sometimes and you do that right. 
you know, uh, things usually work out okay. One thing that I always thought was interesting about you, uh, Gibby, is that you're one of the most laid-back, relaxed people I've been around in any kind of extended period of time. And at the same time, if you look it up at the end of the year, you're, you tend to be leading the league in ejections or close to it. You've got one, one of the big, uh, you know, you got a big number up there. I think this year it's seven or eight. And I was just wondering if you could help people understand reconciling that, you know, that laid back thing they see pregame, postgame, the way you lean in your chair. And then the, I guess the temper that comes out when, uh, you know, the balls and strikes aren't going the right way or you're getting some rough calls. Well, I'm not angry all the time. <laughs> Some of the times, you know, really, I I mean, that's my personality goes, like I said, you know, I try to get along with everybody. That's just my nature. That's what my parents taught me. And, and, um, you know, I mean, when you, I wasn't, uh, I don't have Texas blood in me necessarily, but I I grew up there and, you know, we had a little different lifestyle down. There's a little more slow, slow paced, things like that. So, I mean, you kind of adapt to that and that kind of helps shape you. But, you know, I do have a, I do have an intensity inside me, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm all about winning those kind of things. And in, in, uh, in, in professional sports, it's, it's all competition. You know, you're out there competing. You you know, we view at times that maybe a certain call, you know, can definitely affect the outcome of a game. And, and uh, you know, things are going bad. Things build over time and, and uh, things like that. And you have, I mean, you have to, you know, you have to let people know you have a heartbeat every now and then. It doesn't mean it's fabricated, but, you know, we all have it. And sometimes, uh, and, and as you get older, your blood pressure rises normally anyway, so uh, <laughs> I brought it. Gibby, I'm going to paint a picture for you real quick. You're on a dock, you have a cold beverage and a line in the water, and you lean back and you just go, dang, what memories are you going to pull up in your head that you thought about of your time in Toronto? What's going to stick out and go like, man... That was pretty damn cool. Well, you know, hey, I might be close to doing that, Jay. Here, real, real soon, you'll get three games left. I may be on that dock. <laughs> pretty, pretty sick. So, you know what? I, you know what? I've had a wonderful time there. You know, it hasn't, hasn't always been rosy. It, you know, it's, it's had plenty of ups and downs. You know, um, you know, I don't think I was always accepted. You know, early on, and that kind of grew. I think a little bit. A lot of that has to do with comes with uh, you know how successful your team is. You know, we ended up having a couple years winning. It kind of really, really uh, reshaped everything there. The, the attitude and the uh, uh, relevance we were in in, uh, in baseball. So, uh, Jay, probably just you know, um, I think I was there a total of fourteen, fifteen years, maybe. You know, as a coach and manager, and really just uh, you know how I just I kind of became a part of the uh, you know Blue Jays. You know, uh, when you when you're any place that length of time. You know, you become part of something. Now, I mean, a lot of managing jobs, you might last a year, two, three, and, you know, that's kind of the nature of the business sometimes. And then you just kind of disappear. But when you when you have some longevity, you you know, you become a little bit a part of the history anyway. And, um, you know, I, uh, and it hasn't all been good, but, you know, whether you like me or not, I'm, I'm part of their history. So, <laughs> so that, kind of, that, that kind of thing, and, and uh, you know, really, it's been, when we finally uh, got into the postseason in 15, you know, it had been 20, 23 years, I think it was. So uh, it really turned baseball in Canada back. I mean, we became relevant in baseball again, you know. Was, there were expectations every year, but, you know, you, we didn't, we couldn't get over that hump. And, and uh, you kind of knew in the back of your mind, maybe we need a little more to do that. And finally it happened. And really just, it was, it turned everything around, you know, um, 
in the baseball world up there in Canada, and people came out. And so those are those would be my memories that, that jump out at me. Uh, you know, it had, been, it had been so long for the postseason, and you know, I was part of the team that uh, you know finally uh, got there again. Gibby, your voice carries weight in baseball in general, but specifically in the city of Toronto. So I know it's important you be careful with what you say. As a result, I want to give you a chance. <laughs> to retract something I saw that you said in the media, because in a Fangraphs article I read a few days ago, you said that a, a guy that you had coached who you thought would be a good manager would be J.P. Arncibia. So now that we're here, out of the heat of that moment, I was wondering if you wanted to retract that statement or uh, give an explanation for it at least. You know, too, I, 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 I remember that, uh, I, didn't, yeah, I made that statement before I had the idea I wasn't going to be around, so it wasn't like, I made it knowing that I was gone and was trying to push for him. Uh, but I will push for him now that I'm, I'm going to be gone. Now, you know what? There's there's guys I've come across in this game, uh, particularly managing, that you uh, you know you look at, you don't you know consciously necessarily think, well, you know, could the, who, who could this guy manage? Could that guy manage? But you know, there's certain guys you're around, and they seem to have that old that whole package. Um, you know, the you know first. Jay, the guy I hate, I don't really want to blow him up too big, but you know he was always a leader. There's no doubt about it. Uh, no, no, hey, you can you can b- keep blowing me up. That's fine. Keep on going. All right, all right. <laughs> so, you know, it, you know, Jay's got that infectious personality that people like, and that's the people like him. And he, like I said, he, he's a he's a leader, so people gravitate to him, right? You know, he had some success in this game. He he, he experienced it all on top of the world. He got knocked down, you know, to the depths and all that. So if there's a guy that can uh, relate to you know the reality of base professional baseball. He he can because he's done it all. You know, and they and everybody that he's, you know the manager comes across has different stories and different you know different ways their career goes. So that's always helpful. He's not he wasn't a guy that you know was was the star player forever. You know it, it you know very few guys do that. And those a lot of times those guys can't relate to the guy that goes through the up, ups and downs. So um, you know he, he's. Um, you know, he's, he's got a great baseball mind. You know, he was always thinking. And a lot of the guys that, that I think can manage, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're constantly talking about baseball, you know, which is what, what happens when you become a coach or a manager. I mean, your whole life is, well, strategy of the game, you know, uh, discussing situations, whatever it is, that's what you come to. And Jay did that as a player. And they don't, they don't all do that as a player. Um, and he was a catcher. You know, catchers for some reason, right or wrong, end up being managers more than others. But, uh, yeah, so, there's, you know, there's a, there's a few guys that, uh, I, you know, I've always thought that they could manage in, in, uh, in uh, given the opportunity or the desire. You know, they don't all have that desire. But if if that uh, if they did, you know, he, he'd be at the top of the list. And, and uh, so. All right, all right. an interview here. All right, all right. Well, an interview. Well, listen. <laughs> Maybe I'll become your agent. Hey, well, listen, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you one thing. First off, I appreciate that, and I thank you very much. Second off, you know it's because we we got that smile too. Because I saw you. Well, part of being a manager, you sometimes you got to look the part. And I did see you that last game in Toronto, just egging on the crowd, and you had that that good old smile going on. You still got it. So on that note, my question to you, and we'll let you go, Gibby, because I know you gotta. I know you gotta walk around the the lake over there in St. Pete or the, or excuse me, the, the ocean. Sorry. The bay. About, yeah. The bay. Sorry about it. But you 
have that last game there. And listen, we all have our we all have our inner demons. We all fight our battles, and you, you know if you doubt yourself or not, whatever. But I think you realized how much because I don't, until it it's kind of come to an end, and people kind of reach out and tell you all the things that they wish they could tell you, and the fans do the things that they wish they could tell you, and they they do it. It kind of gives you a sense of like, oh shit, like man, I was pretty damn special, and and I and I can bring a lot to the table. And I know that you said you still would want to manage. Um, obviously there's a, there's a job that's opening up down there in the great old state of Texas. Uh, what would you, would you, would you, would you be interested? And then again, what's, what's your interest, uh, going on, um, from the season? Well, Jay, you know what? Um, yeah, I want to, I want to stay in the game. I, I would love to keep managing. I'm, I mean, these jobs are hard to get. There's no doubt about it. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of in the, I'm kind of in that age range, you know, I'm not, I'm not old, but I'm not young again. And, and I mean, everybody, you know, the game goes in cycles, you know, and the, the, the thinking on coaches and managers and even players, you know, you can see nowadays older players, you know, they, uh, they get looked at differently. So same thing with things, same thing with coaches and managers in the, but I still think I have something left, you know, um, but you know, the, the baseball's going in a direction where they want more youth. Uh, they, they, you know, there's different ideas on analytics and all that. And I've kind of had, kind of gotten the reputation that I'm anti this, and which is, which is could be further from the truth. But I still believe it's a lot of the tried and true methods that there's have been success, successful in the game for a hundred years again. So, um, you know, we'll see. You know, if the right spot comes open, um, you know, and, and uh, somebody thinks enough of me, at least give me an interview and, and possibly the job. I, I would love to keep doing it. If not, you know, uh, I would definitely love to stay in the game in some capacity, whether it's pro scouting or, you know, special assignment type job. And cause I'm not ready to re- retire. I'm still young enough to keep going, you know, baseball has been in my blood since I was a little kid. And, uh, and so I, I don't know how to do anything else, put it that way. So, but we'll see, but it's, it's been a great ride in Toronto. I've got zero complaints and, uh, you know, like you, Jay, you were just talking about that. What happened that last day? I never expected it to be like that. Uh, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. It really was. Well, uh, it's much deserved. Um, one, because of the way you just treat people, and I think that goes a long way. So, uh, Gibby, thank you very much. You know I love you, and hopefully at some point uh, we'll get to throw a line in the water, but we will be in touch. Thank, thank you, you, Gibby. Yeah, yeah, we'll throw that line in the water. Hey, Jay, we'll both reminisce. <laughs> Perfect. Give you, and I'll give you advice on your new managing job. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right, boys. Be good. Always a pleasure. Man, I really wish I could have got a confession out of him that he wanted to go to Texas. Not me. If you, if you'd been able to get that confession, that would have been huge. That could have been on headlines everywhere. Like he said this on digging in podcast, it'd be great for great for business. Yeah. And I know that was something you wanted to hit home with and you wanted me to ask because you're scared of him. Oh yeah. He's a terrifying, that's the thing they say about John (laughs) Gibbons, terrifying man. Yeah. You're big uh, chicken over there, but it's all right. No big deal. No, I, I listen, man, again, how rewind it and listen to him again. How do you not love the guy? How do you not think that this guy continues to manage or lead a team or be around an organization. Uh, there's nothing that again, you'll be able to find of about anybody that says, 
I don't love John Gibbons. Even a even a guy in Tennessee, he was at the Blue Jays organization. Uh, he's his name is Lane Thomas. He's uh, with the Cardinals now. He'll probably be in the major leagues next year. Hit 26 home runs in the minor leagues this year, and he was around Gibby as a minor leaguer. And we were talking the other day. He goes, I love that guy. I mean, somebody as far down as that when he was with the Blue Jays organization still got to even be around him for the one or two times that he got called up to big league spring training to to fill in in a game said, I love that guy. So he's a special character, man. He's going to be missed. And I know he'll be throwing a line in the water and, and uh, be drinking a few cold ones. And I'm sure he's uh, looking forward to that. Yeah. He's a guy who definitely makes an impact on whatever room he's in. And in my experience, that's the media room and your experience, that's the clubhouse, but wherever he is, he's a guy that he just has a presence and, He's fun to be around. I think a lot of the fans, even those who haven't met him or come in contact with him, were able to tap into that, which is kind of cool. So for today's memory lane, the final one of the season, I wanted to talk about the end of the season. And I know the season technically, as we're taping, does not end on Sunday, as we may have thought, because we've got these game 163s, which are really cool. But for the Blue Jays, for most teams, the season is over. So JP, when the season is over as a player, especially when your team's not going to the playoffs, not especially good team, what is sort of the first, what's the checklist? What are the first things you do? What is, you know, what's happening for a lot of MLB players today on Monday or uh, over the next couple of days? Because I know they've been on that grind and now suddenly you've got a little bit of time to yourself. Well, you prefaced it with not a winning team and, uh, you know, a struggling year, which didn't make the playoffs. So in other words, every one of my off seasons. Uh, so I, I, can, I can definitely attest to that. The perfect man for, to answer this question. Well, listen, first off, I'll tell you what everyone is doing. When the game is over, guys are on the first flight out of wherever they are. Because most guys are so ready to get home and sleep in their own bed and see their family and be in their you know house, condo, wherever they're going. Most people are so ready because what people don't realize is you usually take maybe a month off and you've been going since that after that month. Also, spring training starts in March and February. So guys have been going nonstop since pretty much February, let's say. So everybody, it's the last game of the year when you're out of it, which is what I know because I never was in it. Literally, it's like game over to the shower. There's a ton of cars waiting outside, car services, all these different things. Guys are running to get to catch their flight to get home. That's the first, that's the first step. A lot of guys just get off the grid. I can only speak for myself. When I was done playing, I literally would go home and do you know the the documentary series Planet Earth? Oh yeah. Okay. So, I would go home and I had a movie theater and I would order pizza pretty much I would say for like a week straight and I would sit in this movie theater and I'd watch sports, not baseball. And Hockey watch, starting, basketball yeah, starts pretty soon. Yeah, I'd watch sports, and then I'd watch Planet Earth, and I would just sit there, and I'd turn the surround sound on as loud as possible, and I would just completely try to check out. My family would probably get upset at me because they would text me, and there's no responses. I was just 
you're so, I mean, listen, the physical part is the physical part. Your body's going to be sore, blah, 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 all that baloney. You're so mentally drained from just playing the hardest game in the world statistically and all the stuff that you go through mentally throughout a season that you're just done, like done. And I'm talking about everybody. I remember guys that would come up to hit, and if it was Adam Dunn was funny. He, he Adam Dunn came up one time. It was September, and I was like, what's up, dude? He's like, I can't freaking wait to be in a tree stand. Like, I'm just ready for hunting season. Like, he just wanted to check out, right? When you're out of it, dude, again, people don't realize the the strain on your body is tough. The strain on your brain is tougher. So that's one thing that a lot of guys do, man. They just go and check out an event. I mean, some guys will, you know, check out for a little bit and go on vacation. A lot of guys go to somewhere hot during the winter so that they can enjoy a little bit of a summer. Uh, because obviously we've, I never had a summer until I retired. So you try to go, I would go, you know, once or once in, let's say November to maybe Maui or somewhere warm so I can get on a beach. But dude, you just check out, you're, you're completely done. And again, I didn't have any kids, but I would come home and just check out. Yeah. I think that it's something that people maybe don't appreciate enough at home is how, and people are often in this city in Toronto or down on the city. And do people like to be here? Do our athletes going to come here? And that's been a stupid long storyline that's starting to dissipate in more recent years. But people don't realize that when you're here as a baseball player, like it's not your home and it's not even close to being your home. Even though you're here for half the year, it's it's like a long business trip. Like this is no almost no one who's in Toronto you know, feels kind of settled in Toronto, it has nothing to do with this city, wherever you are. No one really feels settled there unless they're a hometown player, which is uh, generally pretty rare. Like they're on... Which is even which is even more like mentally exhausting because imagine when you're home, like for Dalton Pompey, when he's there, dude, you have family, you have friends, you have everyone that you grew up with you also have the pressure of trying to, you know, be the hometown, you know, I'm going to be the hometown guy and do well for my hometown team. So even when you are from that city, it's still tough and maybe even tougher at times because you have to deal with all those little things that kind of add up. And then if I were to say anything, imagine I, I used to laugh because I never understood why the whole Friday, everybody was so excited, like, thank God it's Friday, not because of food, because of <laughs> of uh, the weekend, right? Finally, guys get to, you know, you're working nine to five every day or whatever your hours may be. And man, it's the weekend and it's time to just sit on the couch and let my hair down and have a few cold ones. And wow, this feels awesome. Well, imagine six months of that feeling bottled into one final time to go wow i can finally let my hair down cuz we don't we don't have that that opportunity as professional baseball players to go oh well here's the weekend let's take it off uh it doesn't happen until the season's over no yeah and sometimes even uh a week like you said it builds up on a friday or whatever is in my personal experience, I don't get a lot of weekends necessarily. Hopefully, my boss is listening. He can work on that as a baseball season is over. But no, for a lot of people, 
even five days, it just feels like this big buildup and a baseball season like you describe is just an even, even bigger buildup than that. And, you know, no one here is saying that a big league life isn't a good life. Cause I think a lot of people would happily trade for it, but it's also, it's a hard life too. There's hard parts of it. And that's why I want to ask you about the last day of the season, what you do after. Cause I kind of imagine it being like that, where it's just kind of a huge release from the enormous amount of pressure these guys live with day in, day out. Yeah. I mean, honestly, again, I think people don't realize this. And yes, they make incredible amounts of money. Yes, all these things come with a great life. But dude, I never had a spring break since I was probably five years old. I never had a summer in my entire life until I just retired. Like, even as a kid, dude, I've been playing nonstop. We all are playing nonstop, dude. Unless you're from a cold like city in the winter where you have to go indoors. But, I mean, pro athletes, to get to the place that they've been, no one just went at 21 and said, well, you know what, I'm going to just start playing baseball and that'll be good. Like, you've been doing this your entire life. So there's a lot of sacrifices. I haven't seen a lot of my nieces and nephews grow up. I don't see my family. A lot of these guys, there's a lot of stuff that they have to deal with that is not easy and that making, and again, being a Major League Baseball player makes it tough to have a normal life, quote-unquote normal life, where you see your family, you're around your family, and all these different things. So when the season's over, man, guys just want to check out. And I get it. Like, I get I, – I used to – I laugh now because I'll text guys and sometimes if they don't respond, they're like, hey, man, sorry I didn't respond. I'm like, no, I get it. I 100% get it. Like, I see it, but my brain is not – is my brain is just going like, I can't – I don't even want to deal with anything right now. And so that's kind of where they get to, man. And I'm sure, you know, some guys – Luke Maley just had a baby. He's going to be home and he's going to want to be with that baby every single second he can possibly be. Like, there's – Different different things depending on the different aspects of your life and where you are in your life. But, man, when you're done, all I can say is to the listeners out there is imagine that Friday or whenever your Friday is, whatever day of the week it is, imagine every week for six months all adding up to one day of it finally being done. That's what it feels like. Yeah, that uh, accumulation is worthy of a few adult beverages, I guess, for lack of a better term. But uh, guys are flying home, maybe aren't able to do it. Although there's definitely something to be said for plain beers. No, I mean, no doubt. And here's another thing too is then then that's – so that's what, you, what the end of the season feels like when you're out of it. That's what it feels like. But then, dude, in two weeks, we are insane people in the sense of – you always feel like if somebody else is is getting a one-up on you, all of a sudden you see one guy on Instagram or you feel like somebody's working out, dude, you're back in the gym and you're ready to rock. Like that's that's also the insane side of us is like, hey, take a break. No chance, dude. I need to get better for next year. So you you literally in two weeks it flips from going, all right, I just want to be a fat kid. I want to eat everything that I possibly could eat. Whatever my vice is, I'm going to do my vice for a couple weeks. And then most of the time, a lot of guys get back right back into the gym to get ready. All right. So for the last outside the nest, this is obvious. We've got game 163 going on today on Monday, but we've got the MLB playoffs coming up. That is the best baseball there is. So I thought we'd discuss 
who you're cheering for with, uh, you know, you've said you're Blue Jays for life. Blue Jays are out. Who's your, you're cheering for? I know you're a Miami guy. Marlins haven't sniffed the playoffs. Not even close. That was never going to be a thing. So who are you cheering for? And what is your World Series prediction, National League, American League teams, and who's taking it home? Well, for me, I've been I've played on the American or in the American League my entire career, and I always want the American League to win because I feel like the American League biased. Yeah, I feel like the American League is a tougher league to play in than the National League, so I always want the American League to to pull it out. I think. Whoever wins from the American League is is going to win the World Series. Uh, that's my uh, kind of point of view. I think the Houston Astros obviously are really good again. I mean, they're nasty, man. This pitching staff is good. They got Ozuna now in the back of the bullpen, which is, gives them a, a lot safer bet as a closer. Um, the Boston Red Sox, they smash baseballs. I don't know. We'll see if Sale, can Sale be the guy in the postseason? Can David Price be the guy in the postseason? I think that's a little scary when you're when you're talking about postseason and pitching. If you're asking who I'm pulling for, there's a catcher in Cleveland named Jan Gomes, Gomes who might as well be my little brother. So a part, anywhere, any place that guy's a part of, I'm cheering like heck for. So if I'm going to go out there and say who my heart is with, I'm going to say the Cleveland Indians just because, again, Eddie's there, Jan Gomes is my little brother, and I love him to death. So I want him to be able to to win a World Series. Um, and then in the National League, crap, the Brew Crew the Brew Crew is freaking playing out of their mind. And Kristen Yelich might as well be Barry Bonds right now. I mean, the dude has been insane. But here's here's what I think. And this is going to be – I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm going to say Dodgers, Indians, okay? I'm going to throw that out there because I want the Indians. That's in my heart. Uh, but if the Dodgers get in, dude, I think their momentum and their that city, the crowd, the way those guys can swing the bat, I think they I think they rolled it off in the playoffs. So I'm not wildly dissimilar to you in terms of what I've got. My heart is with uh, – the Colorado Rockies, because I think it's so. I think Coors Field is just a whole different kind of baseball, and it's fun to watch. And liar, liar! You like the Rockies because you like cold beer and you have a beard. <laughs> I do like Charlie Blackman's beard, and whenever I've seen those photos of Blackman without his beard, it really freaks me out. Um, I have been to Coors Field before. I really enjoyed. It. I think it's a hell of a ballpark, and it's just it's fun baseball. And arguably, it's an, a disadvantage they have to deal with every year. Um, how to build a staff that works there. And then when you do that, they might not work somewhere else. So I want the Rockies to do well. But personally, I think, like you said, the American League this year is so much stronger than the National League. I don't even think that's up for debate. So I'm going to do be boring. I'm going to say the Red Sox, their lineup, Mookie Betts, it's just ridiculous. And their pitching staff isn't as good as Houston, but I think it's close enough. And Houston's lineup isn't quite as good this year as it was last year. So I'll take the Red Sox and out of the National League. I guess the smart thing to do would be to say the Braves in the sense that we know for sure they won't play in the wild card, but I don't think they're good enough. So I'll say the Dodgers as well. They're just so deep. Like the team is so deep pitching. Like there's just no holes in this team. And I think what they're missing in the past, other than Kershaw as the obvious superstar, was maybe that guy at the superstar level. And then you bring in Manny Machado to be that guy. And I think 
So I think Red Sox, Dodgers, I'll give the edge to the Red Sox, which is kind of boring. No one wants to see the Red Sox win again, but I think that's how it's going to play out. I, I mean, dude, I, it's this. The, you know what the fun part is, though, is that we could be both. We're both on the Dodgers in the National League, and they could possibly not even make it into the playoffs in the sense of lose today, lose the wild card game, and they're home. That's the fun part for me about the National oh, League right it's now. It's wide open. Could be anyone. It and it could be anyone. Obviously, I think the American League is a little bit more, um, you know, it's just a little bit more question or less question because I think the teams are so good in the sense of one of those teams when they make it to the end is going to be good. But I'm going to put this out there just as just as an insurance policy. If the Oakland A's make it into the playoffs, don't sleep on the Oakland A's. They're a good team. They're one of five of the American League teams in the playoffs that would be number one in the National League. So there's that's something that tells you about the discrepancy there. Oakland A's are a good team. The pitching rotation has performed well, but those names scare me in the yeah. playoff context. But I love, I love their dude. They're just like that gritty team. Like, dude, I, I that's something I love about that uh, Oakland. I hated playing there because I thought it was not the best place to play. It's a at, dump. But, yeah, I mean, I didn't want to say that, but um, I mean, I think that if they get in, they they like they a lot of those guys. They just embrace that dirtbag feeling, and they just want to. They just go out there and win. So I think you got to be careful, man. Bob Melvin, I've heard nothing but great things about him. So I think he's a good motivator, but that's just my insurance policy. I'm going to go with a little bit of insurance and just to say that, you know, if it happens, I want to say that I said it. Okay. My insurance team is uh, let's say the brew crew, because I do like what they're doing out there and they're fun. Yeah, no, that's this. And, I used to not watch baseball when the season was done because I was freaking over it. But hell, I am excited as heck to be able to start watching some baseball here uh, starting today. Okay, we're going to end this with, well, what we always end it with, which is JP Career Trivia. He is at 27 for 54. So for season one, this is all about salvaging the passing grade. I'm going to say that this is a difficult question. It's for one. So it's just a one, one-off question. And the reason I thought this question is because you've mentioned on the show multiple times how you kept being worried when you first came in the big leagues, like, I'm going to drop the ball. I'm not going to catch the ball. It's going to be a wild pitch. It's going to be a pass ball. And it was all about just catch those first pitches. So I was wondering if you would remember the first time that didn't happen. So if you remember your first wild pitch or pass ball, I'll just, I'll give you the hint and tell you it's a wild pitch. Do you remember the first ball that you let get behind you at the MLB level and who threw that ball? No, that's, that's literally the craziest question, but I'm going to go shot in the dark. Cause there's only one. If you that nail I, this on the shot in the dark, it's going to be ridiculous because of the name. There's only, there's only one that I remember and it was early in my career and it was Mark Zepchinski in Oakland. Ah, uh, I really wanted you to get that right. Not just to salvage a 50%, but just because it would have been an insane name to pick because it was Sean Hill. From the very, oh yeah, the no very, chance. very brief Sean Hill era. Oh my goodness, dude, that's 
that's not even from the 500 level that you just dropped on me right there. That's like from the a millionth level. I had zero chance. Oh, if way you, to go. If way, you, to, way to just dump I, on me. I did kind of see where you at the end, but I, I, I don't know. I just thought that based on the psychology of it, the fact you're really fixated on this not happening, maybe when it did happen, it would have stuck with you as a traumatic moment. No, honestly, listen... That is one of the if you're first off wild pitches, no one ever will remember those. Like, cause a lot of you, there's, you just can't do anything about it, so it doesn't really ever phase you. The, I mean, some pass balls if it's ever in a big situation. Obviously, I remember the R. A. Dickey pass balls because that's when I was like, you. There was no think. Thankfully, my sliders were tight enough, but I was pooping down my leg because it was like. 50,000 people booing you and you're trying to figure out how to catch this stupid freaking pitch that just moves everywhere. Um, so that one, those were, but other than that, dude, no Sean one, Hills, I, I would, Sean Hills, nasty pitches, just not worthy no, of your memory. No, 88 mile an hour sinker was not worried about me. I, I just probably just buffed it. But you know what? Speaking of past balls, I was actually laughing. Gary Sanchez hasn't played a ton of games this year and he's, he's got like, almost 20 pass balls. So it kind of made me kind of smile. Cause I was like, you know, I messed up some, but this dude's not the best catcher. So at least it happens. Gary Sanchez is a guy I cheer for in the sense that I like to see catchers who totally mash and just guys that play those defensive first positions who are awesome with the bat. And when he's on, he's so awesome to watch, but he's a guy that's been calling a suspect catcher for a long time suspect is a euphemism that they use a lot and that's like when things are really bad they'll say suspect yep exactly so it makes me feel a little bit better about being a suspect catcher all right this we're gonna finish off season one uh i just want to thank everyone who listened in everyone who subscribed uh, i think i'm gonna speak for jp and said that we've had a lot of fun he's he, he's free to contradict that if he wants uh, I just wanted to offer a couple of acknowledgments to the producers of work on the show, uh, Stephanie Werner and uh, Mac Liddell, who's kind of had a hand in virtually everything I've done in my career, because those guys do a lot of work. And, uh, you know, you guys probably hadn't heard those names until just now. And then also, you know, just fans, however you came to it, a Blue Jays fan, whether you're, you know, from the Maritimes or you live in Quebec, or maybe you're someone from Tennessee who's come across JP's uh, name that way. You love the volunteers or you're a big Titans fan, whoever you are. Uh, we really appreciate you listening in. Yep. I would agree. And uh, thank you to you, Nick, for uh, being patient with me. Who's always positive and always trying to be the optimistic and you trying to just tear everybody down. So I, I appreciate you being patient with me, but no, I, it was fun. It was a great time. Uh, also, Dan, uh, Tolman, he did a uh, phenomenal job of putting this together. And so there's a lot of people to thank, obviously Yahoo Sports Canada, but everybody who listened, I hope you guys enjoyed. And, uh, we were, we were always, uh, giving you everything we got, uh, on the podcast. So thank you again. And, uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah. Stay tuned. I can't break any news here, but I'll just say the, the last words of Season one of Digging Out J.P. Aaron Sevier, wow, I blew the name at the end, is stay tuned. <laughs>